words, it's timely for right now. So that's why I kind of chose it. So would you guys pray for me? Father God, I, I pray uh, a blessing over the congregation. Lord, we're hearing reports that maybe the traffic's easing up, so we continue to lift those people that uh, may have been hurt in the accident and get them where they need to be. Lord, I pray for us that you give us all soft hearts, that you would speak to us tonight, Lord. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> How many of you guys remember that we're in a series? How many of you guys have no idea what a series is? I don't even really don't care. You just show up on Saturday night and go, man, that's just what I've been doing. You know, I don't really know what's going on, but it's just where I like to be on Saturdays. Okay, Cecil, we'll talk to you after church. Uh, you know, uh, who likes to be cursed? Yeah, who likes, cur- who likes a cursing laid on you? <clears throat> Raise your hand if that's you. Well, I'm getting there, Steve, relax. I'm just asking a question. Who likes to be, have a cursing laid on them? Anybody? Who likes to have a blessing laid on them? Yeah. Amen. So there has to be a key, a way to be blessed, and a way to be cursed. What if it's so elementary, and for some reason for in all of humanity, we've been stumbling and stumbling and stumbling, can't seem to get it figured out. But what if it comes down to the one key word? Obey. Obedience. How about I laid it out, says God, Thus saith the Lord, do what I say, and you'll be blessed. If you don't do what I say, you'll be cursed. It's going to be up to you. What if it were like that? And some people are going, well, I just, <clears throat> well, I don't want to curse, and maybe I'll take a half blessing. Maybe I'll go through the, the obedience thing, and I'll pick out uh, through like a God's smorgasbord, and I want to do that, I want to do that, but eh, I'm a... The children are having a good time. And they're a blessing, right? They're a blessing. So um, we're in the book of Haggai. We'll fly over it. We'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, there they are. How many of you guys have read the book of Haggai the last little while? And you've been keep rereading it because there's so much there. Isn't it a great book? It's two power-packed chapters. It just says so much about us, about Israel. How many of you guys love Israel? Don't you just, how many of you guys have been? You've been, haven't you, Karen? You've never been? Anybody in here been? How many of you can't wait to get to the New Jerusalem? Amen? Yeah, that's going to be great. We'll get to go there. May not get to go to this Jerusalem, but we'll get to go to the New Jerusalem, if you've said yes to Jesus, that is. If you haven't said yes to Jesus, you'll never see it here nor there. But we're going to get into this prophet Haggai. Remember last week, uh, week number one, we talked about Haggai was sent to tell Israel, get to work. They had been uh, decreed from Cyrus or Cyrus to go back and rebuild, Darius to go back and rebuild the temple. Or Cyrus, I'm sorry. Then Darius recommissioned a whole other group uh, to go back and encourage them. That would be Haggai. How many of you say Haggai? And how many of you say Haggai? I don't know what it is. H-A-G-G-A-I, I'm assuming it's Haggai. Anyway, Haggai went back and told him, hey, you guys have been here, you were sent here all those years ago to rebuild the temple, and because of outside pressures, you stopped building this thing because of the Samaritans and the climate and all this stuff was going on, and you just stopped 
in your tracks. And it's been laying in ruins for the last 17, 18 years. What happened? You're too busy building your own stuff, worried about your own things. Meanwhile, my house is laying in ruins. The tie-in for us today is a lot of us in this culture are so worried about our children, college funds, getting to the soccer game, getting to the basketball game, and all the other things, the 401s, the 402s. I don't even have a 401k. My, it's a celestial plan. We're hoping Jesus comes back before I retire. My point being, what good does it do to gain the world but lose your soul? So here is Haggai on the scene warning them, hey, you need to get back to work. Barry said that last week. Get to work! We say it around here a lot. Paul admonishes us to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Right? So here we are. We're on the scene. And the third message given by Haggai to the people. So what was the first one? What's the, what's the basic thing of the first message given by Haggai? Come on. What is it to the people? Thank you, Tim. Hey. Were you guys stuck in the mess? Uh-huh. You've been out on a date. Looked like a little red riding hood and like, like I don't know. Anyway, we're glad you guys decided to join us. <clears throat> so we're talking about Haggai. And the first thing, we're going to boil it down real simple. God's saying, consider your ways. Look at what's happened to you. You don't make any money. You're never satisfied. This is going wrong. That's going wrong. Nothing makes sense because you put me out of your life. You have not kept me first. Consider your ways and get your act together, right? The second thing he said, okay, what was the second? Big, get to work, okay? Now the third one we're going to get into right now. This is really cool. And Barry's going to wrap it up. I don't think we're going to wrap it up next week because we're having Thanksgiving. So we're going to hit pause on this. Gives you guys plenty of time to do your homework, amen? So I'm going to read through this and we'll get into it. On December 18th of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Ask the priests this question about the law. If one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robes, and his robe happens to brush against some bread or stew, wine or olive oil, or any other kind of food, will it become holy? The priest replied, no. Then Haggai asked rhetorically, if someone becomes ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person and then touches any of these foods, will the food be defiled? And the priest answered, yes. Then Haggai responded, that is how it is with this people and this nation, says the Lord. Everything they do, everything they offer is defiled by their sin. Look at what's happening to you before you begin to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. When you hoped for a 20-bushel crop, you harvested only 10. When you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you found only 20. I sent blight and mildew and hail to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. Even so, you refused to return to me, says the Lord. Think about this 18th day of December, the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Think carefully. I'm giving you a promise now while the seed is still in the barn. You have not yet harvested your grain and your grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crops, but from this day onward, I will bless you. A couple things going on here. He's referring, going back to the Levitical law. He's bringing it to the priest. He's asking rhetorically if, if uh, and I was going to do a kind of an object lesson. Let me do this. Picture it this way. 
Picture a clear bottle of water like this. Picture another bottle of water that I've gone to the Missouri Sewer Department and cleaned up. Just picture it. Now, <clears throat> if I were to take one drop of the clean water and put it in with the bad water, would you drink it? What if I took one drop of the bad water and put it in with the clean water? Would you drink it? Okay, it's defiled, right? A pizza, I don't know. You know, holiness doesn't transfer, guys, is what he's saying. I know a lot of people come to church, and a lot of people love to hang around us because they think somehow our, our uh, purity given to us by Jesus only will somehow splash onto them without making a personal commitment for themselves. doesn't work like that. You can, come in, you can come in here all day long, and you can sign up for every cleaning crew. You can do all this stuff. You can... Uh, you can preach, you can do come on man, you can do the worship thing, but if your heart isn't made right by Jesus Christ, you're defiled and you're dirty. It is what it is. There's nothing we can do for you. You have to go to the well just like we did, right? And there's plenty of room at the cross for all of us, right? But he's saying very carefully, now here's the thing. What if me being a Christian started hanging out in some seedy joints? Do you think their funk could get on me? Yes, it would transfer that way. But you know what's kind of cool? I know a person, I've heard of a person, don't know them personally. But they were given a, a ministry to, that's what they do. They go into um, a place of ill repute, I guess you'd call it, on a decree from the king. And they're going in to rescue people. But that's a special dispensation. I believe it's like a special spiritual visa. Some people uh, would want to do that <laughs> with the wrong motive. One person can, so it's not a law unto himself. In other words, I know also people, uh, he's not here tonight, but his dad loves shooting pool and hanging out in bars because he's been sent there by God and he loves to witness in these places. See what I'm saying? I, I, to me, it would be too much of a temptation. I don't need to do that. But the, the point, don't miss the point. Don't come to church and don't do all these things thinking you're going to be saved because there might be a person here that's not saved and you think that you are because you're coming to church and doing good things and you're hoping some of that splashes on you. You have to make a personal commitment to Jesus. It is what it is, right? Sin is always waiting to take you down, crouching at the door, ready to take you down. It's always every day. Um, when Paul says work out your salvation with fear and trembling, what do you think that looks like? Give me some examples. So we can't work to be saved, right? We work because we are saved. Does a dog bark to become a dog? A dog bark, dog bark because he is a dog. Does a Christian do good things to become a Christian? Or does a Christian do good things because he is a Christian? Right? You can't. It, so how do we work out our salvation with fear and trembling? How do we stay moving? What are good examples? Here's one for you. Turn to your Bibles. I think it's 2 Peter in chapter 1. It's not on your notes. I just am going to go there. Though. Okay. Here we go. This is good. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses, uh, I'm going to start by in 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. Everything we need for a life of godliness is already given to you when you say yes to Jesus. Isn't that great news? Now, why, is it, why aren't more people living godly lives? If that's the case, what is going on? 
We have received all of this by coming to know him. How do you get to know somebody? Try spending some time with somebody. Because when we challenge every week, man, we say stuff like this. And let me say it this way. Let's go street. Guys, care if I do a little street on you? That's where we came from. Back in the day when we would, me and Barry and say, Craig here, would go to parties, and you wanted to know if a person was like you, you would say, hey, man, do you do, you know, so-and-so? <laughs> and they would say, well, only occasionally and only socially. You knew that person was the biggest stoner in 18 counties. It was what it was. It was like, it was like code word, right? Therefore, when I ask a person, hey, man, uh, it's not, you know, I, I'm, I'm your pastor and I'm your friend and I love you. Are you reading God's word? Well, not as much as I should. That means you're not reading it at all. Zero, nada, none yet. You might have somebody that sends you a little text message every now and again. You, I, well, I got it on my phone this morning, and I get one every other day. That's not the way you get to know somebody. You get to know somebody, but man, I just want to spend some time with this person. I want to get to know Jesus. He saved my soul. I want to get to know a God that did that. I, I wouldn't hang on the cross for any of you guys. Maybe my wife and my kids. But we've got to be honest. I'd look for a way out if it were you guys. For real. Come on. And everybody, oh, I won't. No, you would not. You would not. But Jesus did. And I want to get to know a God like that. How do you get to know a God like that? You spend time, and we need to, I want to get to know him. Right? Okay, so we, uh, we've come to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. He called us to himself. Guys, everybody in here, if you said yes to Jesus, you've been wooed by Christ to come to him. Is that amazing? Not everybody gets that opportunity. I don't know how that works. I don't even know how it works. And we don't know who the elect are. We preach like we don't know, right? And he's given us great and precious promises. How many of you guys could use some great and special promises today? I don't know if you guys notice it's kind of crazy out there. It seems like these are promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. We'll get back to Haggai in a minute because Israel just got led away little by little. God told them what not to do. Don't marry those women. Stay away from them. Don't worship their gods. And what did they do? They did everything God told them not to do. Then they ended up in bondage in Babylon. Some of us ended up in bondage in Angola and places like this. Amen. And some have been uh, in bondage in addiction. Some have been in bondage by anxiety. All these things. And then Jesus comes along and rescues you. What are you going to want? You want to get to know a God like that. You do. In this view, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Remember the scripture, I think it's in Hebrews, it said they heard the same message we did, but it didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. I guess that's why some people can read this and go, man, that's a great, that's, you got a great uh, book of myths right there. You got a, it's a great story. It's very entertaining. These are God's promises. When you mix it with the measure of faith that he's given to you, you get grace, and then it gives you more grace to want to know more. It just it builds on itself. You get a little momentum. Sometimes you hit a bog like Israel did, and they just stop. But listen to what he says to do. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Another one say virtue. How about try? 
other version says, be holy as I am as holy. Be holy. How do you be, how do you be holy? How about try? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask God, how, do I, how can I please you? I, I want to please you. I don't see, read chapter 7 on Romans. I want to, but I got this stuff. And it does, it's contrary. And it wants to do other things. You die to the flesh. It's not easy to do. But how about try? I do, I will say this. There are people that I know, and I've been this person, and it's pretty common to, why don't we just say what it is, shack up, live together. Can we talk about this in church? I'm talking believers. And I say this to my friends, I'll say, well, you know, I think grace covers a lot of things, and I'm a big fan, praise God. Ooh-wee, I'm a big fan of grace. Where would we be without grace? We'd all be dead. Anyway, I think grace would cover things like, you know, I've been with this girl for, you know, three, three months, six months, nine months, a year, whatever, and doggone it, I'm just still crazy about her, and, you know, man, we, we messed up. Get on your face and repent and stop it. Grace covers that. But when you continually just act like I'm married and you're doing all the things that married couples do, Acting, asking God to bless it, he ain't going to bless that mess. It ain't going to happen. Now, I don't know what kind of consequence that's going to bring, but you can mark your bottom dollar. It's costing you something. Maybe it comes later. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap from the flesh. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap from the Spirit. Now, I have plenty of people, and I've done it. I was the shacker. I didn't see what the problem was. I didn't know God. But as I got to know God, I got to know what displeased him, and I stopped doing it. I don't want to not please God. It doesn't mean that I don't. It, it, I fail every day, but at the end of the day, he's not on trial in my life. He's the boss. He says don't do some things, and they got, they got to go. They got to go. And I know we're going to be working on things that got to go for the rest of our life. He comes into your living room. First of all, he bangs on your door, and he actually he knocks on your door. However that works. I've heard, oh, I've, whatever. When you say yes to Jesus, he comes into your heart. Praise God. And then he starts this restoration process from the inside of your temple. Because in the New Testament, we are the temple. In the Old Testament, we're talking about Haggai. God inhabited the temple. But God inhabits not a temple made by man's hands. In the New Testament, he comes in our home. and makes his home in our heart. And then he starts this process going through living room. Okay, it's easy at first. I say it like this. He'll come in and the boulders and the big trees and the oak trees in his vineyard are easy to remove. Oh, I know that's wrong. I know this is wrong. And then he keeps doing this thing, he keeps doing this thing, and finally he gets to where I believe you can be almost truly sanctified, but you always have sin in your life. I don't think you can be holy. Uh, any, I don't think that uh, some people would say it's, it's possible not to sin. Really? How about your mind? I believe you should strive for that perfection. But when he comes into your heart, living room, I believe he'll go through closets for the rest of the time until we meet him in glory. What about this one? Didn't you say some naughty things about your brother in Christ? That's a sin. Didn't you think naughty things about your sister in Christ? That's a sin. Didn't you think back to some naughty things you used to do? That's a sin. Grace covers all of that, right? Because you're trying. We want to try. Is this hard, guys? Okay. How about knowledge? Add moral excellence and add to that 
knowledge. You know, I think it's cool because there are some people in this church that are very knowledgeable of the Word of God. And I'm blessed and honored to know personally a lot of those guys that God's blessed in my camp. Because as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I think it's way easier to walk with people when they see blind spots that you can hold accountable and say, not have them run away because they think you're being mean to them. According to the knowledge and according to the stuff that I've read and getting to know Jesus, that right there in your life is wrong. I want friends like that. Because you maybe, if somebody would have the open door in your life to speak into it, maybe it would have saved me a lot of messes I've got into my life. So I have an open door policy with the people that know me really well. I don't need 250 people coming up and giving me advice. I don't need that. But I got some people I trust that I talk to frequently that they go, hey, you think you're pretty cool, don't you? You're acting too, oh, I'm acting cool again? Okay, well, God forgive me. Hey, you're, th- you're talk. So knowledge with self-control. How about self-control? Anybody ever lose their mind on the highway? <laughs> Lisa? Wow, thank you, sister, for being so honest. I never would have thought. I thought you were like, I thought it was Jesus I thought it was the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, maybe Mother Teresa and you. It's nice to know we have another. Thank you. That's good. You know, we, we struggle with self-control. But God, going back to what he said, I've given you power over. I've given everything that you need. If you continue to work and add these things, patient endurance. I think Pete talked a little bit about that. Enduring all this stuff going on, not getting sidetracked. You know, I don't really know... Uh, I want to know more about Jesus, not more about Biden, not more about Trump. I want to know more about Jesus. And if we took our eyes off of all that stuff going on and focused on what God said and read this like we do YouTube, and I'm cool with YouTube, I got no problem with it. In fact, I was watching some messages today, but I don't hear, hear any more of the nonsense. It, all it does is it distracts you. That's what happened to Israel. They got distracted by a bunch of things, and it, and, and, and it messed them up. Don't do it. Get into the Word of God. Read what it said. And I, trust me, it's a challenge. I'm not saying I got it figured out, man. I'm doing the same thing you guys are, and I could fall for the shiny ball all day long. I love shiny things. Yes, I love them. Self-control, patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness. Godliness is a lot like having virtue. And how about this? Godliness with brotherly affection. You know, I've never said to men, I love you. 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 More, I love you. You know, I, can, I love you guys. You know what I'm saying? And, and women, too. I love you. I, I love you in Christ. And I think that's by getting to know Jesus, by doing all the things mentioned. It comes from the inside because I'm getting to know God, and God is love. I got no problem saying, I love you, man. You drive me crazy, but straight up love you. I really do. I feel like pulling your underwear over your head most days, but I love you. And I see the work that you're putting in. I see that you're growing. And I see that you're trying. But like Pete says, we can also smell a fake a mile away. You know, sometimes the emptiest rag, uh, wagon makes the most noise. Think about that one. I think it's cool because sometimes people come out. I tell you one thing. When they hear me speak, stuff's going to change. <laughs> Typically, you know, well, it would appear that this is one of the empty wagons. And I've said it time and time again, 
A lot of people come in and say, I want to show you how much God I got. I say, well, you can do that, but why don't we exhibit how much God has us? That's the challenge. It's a lot easier to do the other stuff. Knowledge puffs up. We could do all these things. If you're doing it with the wrong heart, it's messed up. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those called and chosen. When I said work hard, to what? Prove. Not to be saved. I want to work hard to prove that I am. Another, another scripture says, uh, be worthy of the calling you have. It's on my license plate. Uh, Ephesians 4.1. Do these things and you'll never fall away. Who, who, who thinks this falling away just sucks? Let's just say what it is. Falling away just... Who's falling away at some point in their walk? The rest of you are liars. <laughs> it happens, right? We're prone to wander. But you know what? The more you grow like the things, you won't be gone long. You'll come right back. You know it's no good out there. You've been there, done that. But if you don't read the Word of God and you don't do the things He said, you will fall away. It's, not, it's, it's like uh, if I drop a ball from a roof, is it going to land? If you don't start doing the things that God says, reading His Word, doing the things He says, you will fall away. Just how it is. And I don't know how many times you have to fall from grace till you finally found out. I don't know what. Because it's impossible to bring, to bring back to repentance those who once knew God and walked with them. It's impossible to bring them back. It's just better to stay. Don't tempt God. Go back to Haggai. I think that was kind of extra. But it kind of relates to what we've been talking about. You guys still with me? How many of you guys can get to Haggai so quick now? And before you never even knew it was in there. Let me read a quote to you. And I think it's a great quote. And this was by the, uh, a chaplain in the U.S. Senate in the 20s or something. You ready for this? A man can never be the same after hearing God's truth spoken in the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll either obey and go forward or ignore and die a little. How about that? That's scary? Not to this congregation, maybe some other one, but not this one. Then Haggai responded, that is how, remember we're talking about um, food defiled, is it touch? Yes, okay. Haggai responded, that's how it is with this people in this nation. Everything they do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. They had gone back, guys. They had already gone back 20 or 17, 18 and built the altar, right? And they started some other stuff. But picture what happened. They walked off. Anybody ever been on a construction site when it's just like sitting still? There's this job over off of uh, Cox Hill Road, man. And they started this project. And I, I guess they ran out of money or something. And there's weeds like, like as big as oak trees in there. And there's like all the, all the it just, it's, it's messed up. So it would take a while when they get back to get the job ready to be moving forward. 
There was work to do prior to the work to do. Make sense? So that's what, uh, we're, we're talking about that. That's what is going to happen. That's what Haggai is going to point out. That ha- that's how it is with this people in this nation. Everything you do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. So they're making all these altars or these uh, sacrifices on an altar. I'm guessing out in the middle of the sticks or something. I don't know how they would do that. It's totally, and if you go back to, to like Deuteronomy and the Levitical law, they were doing everything that God told them. This is not how it's done. You know, God is a preparer. He's a preparer. He makes a way. He's a God of order. There are things that you do. You can't just do whatever you want and approach God however you want. There's one way, through Christ. And these people were out doing a thousand other things. And even though the Levitical law was pointing to a time when Jesus would come and satisfy the law, they had to get this right. You can't go do whatever you want. You can't approach God on your own terms and go, well, my God would never do that. Well, your God, this is what God said. This is how it works. I tried it the other way. It doesn't work, guys. And they had tried it the other way and led him into captivity. And that's why Haggai had to come back and remind him, get this right. You need to get this right. You can't just do whatever you want. I'm not yelling at you. It's getting passionate about this. Just relax, okay? Look at what was happening to you before you began to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. Remember, Barry talked about last week. They got immediately to work. Once the message came, they were like, woo-wee, we messed up. Let's get to work. Boom. They got to work, and they started uh, cleaning up the area, the job site, so, I guess, to uh, start their work. Look at what was happening to you before you began to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. When you hoped for a 20-bushel crop, you harvested only 10. When you expected to draw 50 from the wine press, you found only 20. I sent blight and mildew. God did this. God allowed this to happen. But then he says this. Even so, you refused to return to me, says the Lord. Let me back up a little bit. Anybody ever early in your walk sin real hard and then try to do a whole bunch of good stuff to uh, make up for it? Just Barry? Barry's the only one that did this? <laughs> okay. Well, let me tell you how that worked. Not real well, actually. So, um, you know, early in your walk, you're trying to figure it out. You're thinking, well, you know, I'm just doing this little thing over here. And I know it's just this little thing. It's not a little thing to God, especially when the Holy Spirit through is telling you it's wrong. So what we would do, and I thought it was a a, a brilliant thing. We were part of Mid-Rivers Christian Church in St. Peter's, good friends of mine that still go there. Uh, We would go out and uh, get a little loose on the weekends, as they say. But I tell you one thing, we painted that church real good because we're painters, so what we do. So you would know if we had a hard weekend We'd be in there painting that thing up. And I was hoping, I just hope that pastor sees me over here doing what I do. I'd look out the window, oh, John's pulling up. Oh, man, where's, get some deacons in there. I, they need to see this. I'm working over here. And then I would leave for a while. I'd clean up my act a little bit and do a little bit better. And then the bathrooms need to paint a Barry. Why don't we do those? And then how is anybody going to see us in the bathrooms? Leave the door open. Maybe somebody maybe somebody worship team will walk by and see us. Pretty spiritual. Painting the temple. Oh, this temple, it's all out of sorts. See, I'm partying, I'm doing all this stuff. But this, the house of God, it's looking great. To me, that's about as pointless 
as anything. That's what he's saying really in here. It's pointless. Get your hearts right and serve with me. Serve me the right way. Get your hearts right. I don't expect perfection, but how about try? Right? Aim small, miss small. Isn't that what the hunters say? Aim small, miss small. I guess that's what they're talking about. Think about this 18th day of December when the foundation would think carefully. I'm giving you now. I'm giving you a promise now while the seed is still in the barn. They'd begun to do the right thing. They responded. They had repented. They started building the temple. But the seed now, I think the uh, October would have been like the rainy season. By December this time, it would have been all the seeds in the ground. God's saying to them, you did the right thing. You repented from your sin. Now, if you stay the course, you will reap a harvest. It's a promise. Look up uh, Galatians 6 9. Katrina, what is it? Listen, loud and clear. It's written on your arm, isn't it? Oh, well, you're going to need to get some more tattoos. <laughs> this is ridiculous. 6 9. Listen. Amen. Now, there are people here that are living a life that's a little messed up because for years they sowed to the flesh. It's still a little janky. You're still experiencing some consequence. God's promise is what he was saying here. If you don't give up, you watch what's going to happen. But you can't just do it two, three months ago. Well, God, don't work. I tried it, man. I, I, you know, I messed up my whole life for 45 years. I tried God for about a year. You know, it doesn't work. You got to stick with it. You got to stick with the plan. These are promises we can bank on. God said this is going to happen. It's going to happen. If he's going to bless you, he's going to bless you. And here's the real blessing. You know what the real blessing of it all? Knowing that you're blessed by God and knowing that you have favor with God, it doesn't matter if I have any money. It doesn't matter if I have a big house. It doesn't matter if I have all this stuff. I have peace with God and I'm walking in his will. That that's a blessing you can't buy. It goes with you to heaven. It doesn't matter how much stuff that you have. That's not what he's saying. You want to be blessed or cursed? Walk in his ways. Do what he said to do and try him. And do it for longer than maybe a month or two or a month or two and then leave for a week, come back three, four, five years later. You're 10 years older than when you first walked in. Stay the course and stick with it. Yeah, it gets hard. It gets boring. Guess what? That's how it is. Right? I had a story, a conversation with a girl today, and I thought it was cool. Sarah, she's supposed to be here. She's probably caught in that dang traffic. Help her, Jesus. And I started thinking about uh, the boys that rushed uh, the beaches in Normandy. The last great generation. Man, you're talking about some heroes, dude. Some straight-up heroes. And I started thinking about how much they probably hated their gunny sergeant back in America. They probably, I don't know, man, I'll tell you one. Gunny sergeant, because they were mean to them. They weren't playing any games because they knew what they were going to face when they got over there. So they whooped these guys in shape. And I think it's back in the day when you could actually lay hands on people. Now it's like, oh, don't touch him. You might get offended. And then they go out and get blown up and shot up and they come home all messed up and you wonder why. But I thought about this. They rush these beaches, right? And they go up these hills and we know what the rest of the story is. They eventually liberate France, and we eventually win the war, they came home. And I wonder how many of them, just speculation purely. I don't mean any disrespect, because I have the utmost respect for our military and our soldiers. We need to be praying for them all of the time. My dad was a Korean War vet. I saw what he went through. But I wonder 
the people that took the training super duper serious, like I'm listening to every word that gunny sergeant says because I know that he has my best interest in mind. I know he wants to see me get home. I know that he wants to see me get over this. I wonder if it correlates to people that really just like, man, I'm going to do this, I'm listening. How many of them percentage-wise came home compared to the ones that just kind of just cruised on through it, kind of like church? You know, there are people in here that hear these messages, man, you guys preach, sir, preach funny. You don't preach like different. You don't preach like different. Dig for yourselves. Be a Berean. Look it up. Dig. Dig for yourself. You know, do your own training. We're doing the best we can. We want to get home. We want to see you guys get home. And we want to see you stand in the day of testing because your test is coming. You, and, and we hope that when your day of testing comes, you have a little spiritual equity in your bank you can draw from. Because if you're running on fumes in your day of testing because you haven't been doing all the aforementioned things, you will fail. You'll collapse like a tent. And Jesus will be there to pick you up. But why not just prepare a little bit? Do some of the things he said. How about be obedient? Try! Right? How many times did I say to forgive a brother? 13? A lot! 70 times 7. Right? And that's hard. I know it's hard. I'm still struggling. I feel like I'm like 150 over here. I'm way past 70, Jesus. I'm having a tough time with this. But you know what? Obedience brings blessing. And understanding always follows obedience. It's like, why would I don't want to do this? You'll figure out five or ten years down the road. Just be obedient today. He's not calling you to be obedient tomorrow. It's not even here yet. You're not even promised tomorrow. Be obedient in this thing. You've not yet harvested your grain, your grapevines, your fig, tree, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crops, but from this day onward, I will bless you. He's telling him, I'm blessing your obedience. This happened two, three months ago. When you first started doing the right thing, I'm going to bless you now. It's going to take a minute for you to see it, and you can't run off the range before it gets here. That's what I have. Okay, sorry. Guys, you understand how important this is, right? I know that you guys do. That's why you're here. It's a rainy day. It would have been a great day to stay home. Yeah? But you guys said, no, I'm going to church. We're going to go. It's good to be in the house of God. Better one day in the house of God than a thousand elsewhere, David said. Right? With his people. Iron, you know, all the things that we do here. Um, I'm looking around. I think, is there anybody here tonight that doesn't know Jesus? I think I'm preaching to the saved people. If you don't know Jesus, you haven't called on him personally, make sure to tap one of us on the shoulder. Grab CJ, grab Pete, Cecil, Rich. Just grab me. doesn't matter. Go to somebody and say, I want to know God. I want to know Jesus. I want to be blessed. I don't want to be cursed. Right? Jesus became that curse for you. So then you could be blessed. How about that? Isn't that amazing? One more story and then I got to go. Thank you. That's my brother. We go into the office. By the way, your sphere of influence is out there, right? This is the huddle. You can't be only saved in here, guys. You have to be a blessing out there, okay? Because it's not about you. We go into the office. We've been working on this gal for a while. She's, she's 20, and we're good friends with her, uh, her boss. He's a Mormon, and we love him. He's, he's not a brother in Christ, but we love this guy. Uh, anyway, we're talking to her, and it just so happened uh, he wasn't there. And we've been praying for her, 
and saying, God has a plan for your life. And we knew she had been through a ton of stuff. She got saved. And, and she's going to come next week. And she's um, 20, been through a ton of stuff. And this is really cool. She's, I go, i got to ask you a question. Because, you know, you, all, you always want to know, did, this, did it stick? Did you really invite Christ? Did you really repent? Let me ask you a question. Where's Jesus? She goes, he's in my heart. Hey, amen, amen. And then so we go down to our office. We're sitting, I'm levitating, talking to my son-in-law on the phone. I go, man, this gal just got saved, dude. We've been praying for her. She's brought up the thing, man. It's, it, it's wonderful. When one person, you know, too bad the church didn't get as excited for one person as heaven does. The church's like, oh, that's great. Wonderful, great, somebody got saved. The ch- up there in heaven. I don't know how I picture those choirs, like the sisters. Up, so, so I'm in there talking. I was like, and then she said, Oh, man, Sister Brenda's going to be so happy about this. Well, come walking in. And I heard Sister Brenda from, like, down the hallway on speed. Woo-wee! That sounds like my kind of church. I can't wait to meet them misfits. Woo-wee! I mean, she was so, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, and she was so happy. She'd been praying for this woman, young lady, for years. One plants, one waters. God brings the increase. I go, you were the planter. We're just a water. God brought the increase. But it started with your prayers. So my point would be, if you're praying for somebody, like Barry said last week, I thought it was a great point. 25 years he's been praying, not for me, but you have been praying for me 25 years, but praying for people in his family and friends to be saved. I've been praying for 25 years. Don't give up. Don't give up. Pray through it, not to it. Just keep on praying and be a blessing to somebody, right? And be obedient, guys. And read the word for yourself. Just read it. I think everybody's becoming readers in here. This is kind of a well-studied little church, isn't it? And I'm glad that both of you guys came out tonight in this wonderful evening. So, I'm going to pray, and we're going to um, hear from Tim Crow, and he's going to give us some announcements and stuff. I think Christine has something she wants to say to you. Father God, I thank you for tonight. Lord, help us, uh, give us the grace to be obedient, Lord. We are prone to wander. We have this indwelling sin, this sin nature, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that we would die to the self and, and walk in the Spirit. So if we walk in the Spirit, then we don't satisfy those desires of the flesh. As Scripture say, Lord, help us in that regard, Lord. I pray a blessing over this, this uh, fellowship and the other churches in this town, Lord. We thank you for Pastor Jerob over here, Lord, a family Christian church, uh, the connection we've made with him. Uh, Lord, we are just uh, awed by you, Lord, and what you're doing. And we thank you for everything you've given to us in Jesus' name. Amen.